bringing their problems to me for as long as I can remember. I have one of those faces that just says, tell me what's going on. And now I have one of those podcasts that says, go ahead, tell me what's going on. Welcome to Mess in Progress. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Mess in Progress with myself, Gina Brion, and my lovely co-host, Catherine G. Mendoza. Catherine, say hi to the people. What up, people? Um, <laughs> Less than enthusiastic, but okay. <laughs> Because I can't be enthusiastic right now. So one of my light stands, because you know, like once we started doing the video, I was like, I have to use my LED lights. Yeah. But one of my light stands broke, like the head. Oh. So I just had to order some. Luckily, they're like 30 bucks. But my second light, that's usually my face light, mm -hmm. it's like on something in my room. You know what I mean? So it's a little further. So right now, this is just like the producer anal in me that I don't have the proper lighting the way I like it. Like for instance, I don't like the back to look so dark. You know what I mean? So usually if you like, if you're, if you're attentive like me and you're watching this, you'll notice that usually my light is very balanced. But right now there's like depth in a way that I'm not interested in. So I'm annoyed because I'm like, I have to spend money and the stand doesn't matter, but it, it broke in a way that God blessed me. If I would have not been paying attention, my light would have fell and these Crashing. are not yeah and these are not cheap lights like i got these years ago for shoots um they're like a pretty deep like i didn't pay for them um but <laughs> you know what you didn't even have to say that because in the back of my mind i was like she ain't ready for them. <laughs> like, but the thing is if it breaks then you gotta buy a new one because now you're used to that quality light so you exactly downgrade in quality you would want that same quality light i feel you and and the one light alone, I'm pretty sure could be about 200. One, I have two, right? I just don't want to have to spend it when it's like I had one and it didn't break like just because it's old. It would have broken Sorry, because hashtag it's like Zoom podcast problems, people. Hashtag Zoom podcast problems. <laughs> light is in danger right now. But um, other than that, I am girl. Yeah. So you already know this. You already know, but the public should know that Gina and I are obsessed, yeah. obsessed, yeah, with um, the Umbrella Academy. Now, yeah, yes. <laughs> Jones and for us to dive into it, like, I can't even care about spoilers, because if y'all haven't seen it yet, I don't care. I don't care. So, not, no, I'm turn the episode off right now. Yeah, turn it off right now, because we're going to spoil the crap out of it. Or, or, or forward to, yeah. to our interview. forward to the interview don't watch or listen to this part if you don't want spoilers from Umbrella Academy. Yeah, First yeah. of all, you should have been binge-watched all of the episode like a good binge-watching person anyway. I've, you're watching I've one seen it. At a time. Mm. Girl, I've seen, and this is gonna, this is like obsessive. I've seen each season at least three times. And here's the reason why. Because I, I, well, first off, I'm late. I didn't watch season one when it came out. Yeah. I just wasn't up on it. And then like, you know, like most quarantine people, it was like, what else do I watch? So then I was like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this the chance. And it was definitely because of Ellen Page. Like immediately I was yeah. like, why not, why not? So I watched both seasons immediately, like one after the other. And then I realized, you know, I went into the, um, the hole that is the internet that's like theories. And then it was like, oh, there's like Easter eggs in season two. So I rewatched it. Cause yeah. I was like, I need to see these Easter eggs. Um, and then I watched it that time. And then I think I just watched it a third time because I was just like, why not? Like, I just did. So yeah, I'm obsessed. Like, it's bad. It is. Oh, it's not bad. It's good. It's a good obsession. I'm 
so obsessed with the show. I've been obsessed since the first season came out because I think, I also think the reason why you were probably later to watch it than me is I am a huge fan of like Marvel type superhero movies. Like I just, yeah. I love that genre. So when a new show comes out that fits in that genre, of course, because of the all-knowing algorithm, it pops up in my list of stuff to watch. So I get that quicker than somebody who doesn't watch a lot of those movies. And well, so see, that's the thing. It, I was getting it. I was ignoring it. I don't know why. Like, I don't know why. I, well, I, I didn't think it was superhero. I never, I never watched a trailer. I just kept seeing the, um, you know, the art. Yeah. So I kept seeing that since the beginning, but I just wasn't into, I, I did, there was nothing. It wasn't telling me anything, which tells you a lot about marketing and art, right? Yeah. Like, it wasn't giving me enough, like for instance, season two art with them and the explosion and all that art, immediately my brain was like, Wait, what is this show? Right. There is something to be said about that because um, one of the reasons why I liked it was because I did see the trailer and I loved the storyline in itself. I loved all of the crazy, anything that's crazy supernatural or superhero, Mm -hmm. I'm totally into. And this has elements of both where it's like, there's, there's time travel and there's superpowers and there's, you know, alternate universes. And it's just, it's insane when you like look into it. And yeah. the first season that I watched, I also watched because I noticed it was Ellen Page and I love her. Uh, I think she's just, she's just very lovable on camera. Like, you know, one of those yeah. people that you're like, oh, she's in this movie. Like, yeah, I, it's like, if anybody has a, con- if you're listening or watching and you have a contact to Ellen Page, yeah. hook us up. Book us up. Tell, tell her we love her. Tell her we'd love her to, to have on on the show and expose more uh, Latino people to her wonderful because <laughs> um, she is the bomb. I love her. Yeah. So Same. I saw that she was in it and I was like, oh snap! I want to watch this. And then yeah. I got into all the different characters. Like I love. Uh, okay. Like who's your favorite? Who's your favorite? In order, because we're gonna go from. I know. Yeah, okay. Go go in order. Go in order. Okay. In order from not powers but like personality. Mm-hmm. Um. Klaus. Klaus okay, is number one. I feel you. Okay. And then number two in personality is Diego. But that's also because of storyline. Yeah. But it switches because I also really mess with five. Right? I so five. I love five. I love but Klaus, five. Klaus is just, I would chill with Klaus. I'm more like five. You know what I mean? Like, I, that's, that's why. And then also, five and, I mean, um, Klaus and Ben have such a connection that to me, I feel like it's kind of like picking two when you pick Klaus. Yeah. Well, up until season two ends because now they're no longer connected. Again, spoilers. Yeah, they're no longer connected in season two, but you'll see, what? you'll see why. Um, yeah. Well, so you have Klaus and then, and then Diego. Or then five. Or five. Yeah. Who's your, who are the rest, where the rest fall? Then comes Allison. Um, then comes Vanya. And then I hate like, Sorry, but Luther is last. Even though Luther, I like, I, I love like his like storyline. I just feel like Luther. Um, maybe I am going based off powers. Like I, I don't. Like Luther strong, right? So I, I read this theory, and I didn't realize that this is also how my brain was functioning in it. They're they're numbered by one to seven, but if you really think about it, it's almost as if they're numbered by most powerful to least powerful because Vanya is the most powerful yeah. and technically in conjunction Luther's the least powerful he is yeah really and that's yeah he is the, the least powerful if so when you think power yeah 
Howard, Vanya's the most powerful, then comes Ben, then comes um, uh, uh, Five, then would come uh, uh, Allison, and then would come Diego and Luther. Their powers really make sense when you go backwards, right? Yeah. I think that, I wonder, because I spread that fan theory, but I wonder, like, because they were named prior to um, Vanya's training. So I wonder- Our, our guest is here, okay. Jesus! Well, so our <laughs> we guest got to uh-uh, we'll have to go back over this because we're not done with Umbrella Academy. No, we're not. Next we're episode. Not done. We're yep, not we're done gonna... with that Our lovely guest today, Justina Machado, you have seen her in so many amazing projects. We're lucky to have her. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring her into the Zoom cast, the Zoom podcast, and we will, we will all go crazy, crazy, which I can't wait for. Oh, there's Hi. Hi. Hi, hello, how are you? I'm good, look at that. I forgot that we were doing this and I, I was like, shit, I gotta get in the shower. I gotta wash my hair. <laughs> if it's any but I'm here. I did the same thing about an hour ago. I was like, oh my God, what time is it? I have to jump in the shower. <laughs> you have an excuse, you have a newborn. I don't have yeah, an excuse. I, I just, you know, I'm just right. watching Netflix upstairs. <laughs> Wait, what are you watching? Yeah, what are you watching? Oh, God. Girl, I don't even, it's not even anything, you know, I think I spend more time scrolling on what to find. Uh, okay. uh, I go from Hulu to Netflix, and girl, I don't even know what, I, right, right now we were watching, oh, we were watching an Orson Welles documentary. That's what Ooh. we just finished watching, yeah, which was really interesting. Me and my right. husband were watching a Frank Sinatra documentary, um, like, last week. So, yeah, we're going to good. I saw that one. Yeah, I, I'm over here like I just finished Project Power, which was actually not bad. The Jamie Foxx film. I have to watch was, it again because I was watching it and attending to a child. So yes. watch it again. <laughs> well, it's yes, nice yes. to meet you. I'm Catherine Justina. Justina. Hi, Catherine. Nice to meet you, Justina. <laughs> um, we were actually just talking about our obsession with the Umbrella Academy. Have you seen it? No, no, I have not. Uh, it, I'm, I, my sister and my brothers are really into it. So yeah, they talk about it a lot. We are obsessed with it. We were speaking on our obsession <laughs> and naming our favorite characters because the characters and just the character development on shows is always what kind of hooks me. Like, I, yeah. love, I love when I see characters growing and especially because they do such a good job of making you like them. Like you're sitting at yeah. home like, oh, I'm really rooting for this person. Even though like, especially like as an actress, like you watch shows and you're just like, oh my God, I'm really rooting for that person. But wait, I know this is all fake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really genuinely rooting for this person to win in this scenario. So that is yeah. It's yeah. also the same reason why when somebody's playing a villain or like a bad guy in a series, they end up getting the heat. The actor gets the heat when they play a really good villain, um, I, I don't know if you guys know Yvonne from Insecure, she got a lot of the heat from her Molly character because people hate Molly. So the actress actually like really got a lot of that heat as if it's like, can you not differentiate? She's an actress, she's not the character. But it says everything about her. Yeah, but it also says everything about those people that can't differentiate also. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's annoying. It really yeah, it's it is hard because people have their opinions. Um, like I remember I was working on a ship once and this guy came up to me after one of my sets and he goes, can I give you a piece of advice? And I went, 
no. Just as the doors <laughs> of the elevator closed, I went, no, no, you cannot give me a piece of advice. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. I don't want your that advice. That is the best. I love it. I love it. Oh my God. Um, well, I want, I want to let everybody know our, how I first met you, like, um, which was by chance, probably one of my favorite, absolute favorite nights of my life. I was out uh, in New Orleans. I don't know if you remember this dinner party. I um, do. Yeah, because Eva was there. Eva mm -hmm. Lagoria was there. And she was kind of my connection to sitting at the table with you because I had just had a production meeting with her. So we go over to the table. And I have to tell you, first of all, I was fangirling out. I had to pull from my inner fangirl because, of course, I knew who you were right away. I knew who you were right away. I've been a fan since, uh, since Six Feet Under was when I first saw you in was in Six Feet Under. And I remember thinking to myself, because that character, Vanessa, I, I don't think she was supposed to be a main character. I think she was, no. wasn't originally supposed to be a main character, but I was so happy when they started using her more because the second, there was, I can't remember what it was, but I saw you uh, as Vanessa and I remember thinking, oh my God, she is amazing. And I just immediately became a fan right away. I was like, oh, this, I wanna see everything she's in. And so then I walk in this restaurant and you're sitting there and I was just like, oh my God, she's right there. And <laughs> you, you, just, you end up being the most humble, kind, amazing human being, uh, wildly talented, had no idea that you had such an amazing voice that you could sing. I had no idea. I was like, she's a bomb. Did I sing at that you table? Did. You sang at the table. <laughs> it, it Why? Was Why? Was I drunk? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to like this. Salud, ladies. Salud, <laughs> for sure. You gotta, I know, you can't do it, you know, but know, it's I a Saturday afternoon. I'll just pretend that it's wine. I'll tell myself <laughs> it's wine. Um, but that was the night that we met, and it was just absolutely wonderful. And ever since then, we've maintained, like, a little online friendship and always yes. each other, bigged up each other, which support in this business means everything. So I appreciate you coming on. Um, we have this thing that we do in the beginning, usually, uh, where we ask three rapid-fire questions. You can answer them in whatever importance you see. Uh, so we'll do that now. All right, first one, where are you from? Second one, what is your zodiac sign? And third one, how did you get started in entertainment? I'm from Chicago. I am a Virgo. And uh, I got started uh, when I was 18 in Chicago. I was working at a bank. And one of my best friend's mother um, was uh, a talent agent in Chicago. She was the only Latina talent agency in Chicago. It's called Salazar and Navas. And um, I was 18. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I had graduated from high school. I didn't want to go to college. I didn't even know. And then I just got this phone call at the bank from her mom saying there's an audition for this role at this theater company called Latino Chicago Theater. There, it was a Medallia Cruz play. She's a New Yorican playwright. And they were looking for a young uh, Latina girl, Puerto Rican girl uh, that was around 16. And she's like, I know you're not an actress, <laughs> but um, I think I had done something. I, I said a speech or done something. And she's like, you have stage presence. And I was so desperate that I just went to the audition. And then I got the job. And then I just kept doing it from there. Wow. I mean, just kicking themselves going, she just got the job. <laughs> Long time. I mean, my God, we're talking 18. I'm about to be 48 in, uh, um, well, we're in Virgo season so soon. 
I mean, so, you know, it's just like, it's, it's a journey, man. It's a total journey. I'm still on that journey, but it's a journey. It started at 18 and it's still going 30 years later. So, you know, it doesn't just happen. And sometimes it does, but it's still a journey, even when it does happen, you know? Yeah. That's yeah, just no. everybody's like dream scenario, I feel like, where it's like, oh, I'm just gonna go on this audition, I'm not even really an actress. And then you, did you find, is that how you found? Yeah, but they're looking for money. See, I was yeah. looking for, because that dream scenario you're talking about is somebody coming out here who doesn't want to put, and I say out here, I say LA, but it could be anywhere, who doesn't want to put the work in, who thinks if they just go into that one audition, that they're just going to make it. They're thinking about uh, fame and they're thinking about money and they're thinking about fame. Yeah. I was thinking about actually, of course, I was young. I wanted fame, but I was thinking about uh, my craft and I was thinking yeah. about growing and also i was making 250 dollars a month give me a break yeah that yeah. plate 250 dollars a month dollars <laughs> a month I live, with my, I live with my mom and my stepdad so it's like it was putting in the work putting in the work until i got equity and then i did you know um the big houses because that was like a storefront theater then regional theater and then i moved to new york so it's a whole wow. uh thing but you wow i mean in that chicago scene that makes sense. I mean, I feel like that's not really, let's like it's an entry story. That's what it sounds like to me. It validated that this was what you should be doing rather than like, this was stardom. Like, you know, it's not the big break. It's just that like, you said it. The talent agent said, I know you're not an actress. Well, when you got that audition, it was like, no, no, no. Homegirl's an actress. <laughs> Don't get into it. You for real actress because you just yeah, yeah. love this. But it is that, I think you're absolutely But I actually think I booked it because I was the only, let me tell you something. When I went to that audition, everybody was trying to play 16 and they were like 20 something years old. And you know, when you're young, I was like 18 and I was like, oh my God, that girl's like 26. She's so old. <laughs> you're sitting in that room saying that. I remember I went to an audition where I got told the most flattering thing in the world. They were like, you're too old to play. The, you're too, you look too uh, young to play this old of a role. They were like, you can't, we can't see you because we look at you and we're like, there's no way this would work. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. And also this was kind of a waste of my day. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go now, but I'm upset. But also thank you. That was a nice compliment. Uh, that world is such a crazy world to work in. You know what's right. really interesting? This is a random observation. I'm obsessed because people constantly point out my New York accent. But even though I've watched your work for years, until you said the word Chicago, I didn't hear it. I like that's 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 an attribute to how you know how to change things. Cause I literally was like, you said Chicago, and I was like, <laughs> oh, there it is. Like, I was, that's I was what like, people that is like. I'm from Chicago, and they're like Chicago, and I'm like, no, Chicago. I'm like, what? Oh yeah, I guess yes. That's You know, it'll come out once in a while. I, uh, at work, I'd say things, or I'd say like, and or exactly. And then they're like, exactly. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. And so, it, yes, I have to I have to remind myself um, not to get so nasal as a Chicago Puerto Rican, for sure. But you see, that's the thing. Like, even in your work, I knew you were from, from Chicago, but I've never he heard it in your work, right? Because that's just an attribute to your craft. But right. it's also when people forget that Chicago's in the Midwest. So yeah. there is that Midwest accent. People forget that. I think people assume Chicago's on the east. Like, they you do. know what I mean? Because it's a city. I think they just bunch it with like Philly and New York where I'm like, nah, yeah. you, you, you meet somebody from 
Chicago, they're Midwesterns. Like, yeah. it's there. Well, Chicago also has that rep for being, like, a tough city. Like, I think that's why it's equated with, like, people always think of it the same as Philly and New York. Because Chicago yes. has that rep of being a tough city. You don't think of it Midwest because you don't think tough when you think Midwest. You don't. And Chicago is a very tough city. And it's a very... But but the thing about uh, the 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 city, what were we talking about before, right before the the accent? Yeah. Uh, God, I can't. Uh, shit, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's what happens all the time. I'm like, what the hell did I just say? <laughs> Golly, you like, you had you had mentioned that like you moved to New York, so that's very interesting because as an actor, you didn't like immediately go from because I look at it as you're in the mid, right? So you could have gone LA or you could have gone New York. But I'm gonna yes. assume it was, it was New York for theater. Yes. And it was the 90s. And and literally the 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 path was always, especially if you started in the theater, was New York. You were gonna go to New York, you know, because that's just where everybody went back in the 90s. Like either they would go to LA or they'd go to New York. I wasn't an LA fan back then. I didn't understand LA. I didn't get LA. I had been flown out here once when I was living in Chicago when I was like 20 years old and I was testing for a pilot. And I remember like somebody told me that I could cross the street, like nothing. So I believe them. <laughs> Cause you know, they have crosswalks here. Yep. They don't have Chicago. So I was like crossing a big ass inner, like Beverly <laughs> Boulevard, almost getting killed. No. I would see nobody around. It just, I was like, what is this place? who lives here? What, I mean, you go to the, the, the freaking mall, everybody was dressed like a supermodel. I didn't understand it at all. Yeah. And now, now I love Los Angeles. I've been here since 1995. I absolutely get LA, but it's, it, it took me a while. And New York, I got immediately because, you know, <laughs> I'm Latina. I'm from a city that's kind of like it. And yep. uh, I always felt really safe, even though I lived on second between B and C on 19, in 1994. And that was just like crack city. It was like yeah. crazy epidemic back then. I always felt safe because everybody was like Puerto Rican, Dominican. <laughs> like, well, I that's always, what I was going to say. You're in the Lower East Side as a Boricua. Like that's Boricua yeah. Central in a weird yeah. way. We're all going to look out for each other. So you were never in danger because you had a million brothers and sisters looking out yeah. for you if anything happened. Totally. It was amazing. I never felt I never felt scared ever ever even in that scary neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. I was I was going to ask where you were because the 90s is a very different time in New York City, right? And just in general. So the fact that you cuz are you from I know in Chicago there is a big Puerto Rican community, right? Like yeah, I think of Are you Yeah, it's wherever that I've seen it like there's like this like mural that's the Puerto Rican flag. flag. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so people forget, yeah. I think people associate Puerto Rican with New York City, but there is like that community in Chicago. So for you to come here, it's kind of like just plopping somebody. It's going, it's like, I just went, and not here. Nobody was Puerto Rican in LA. I mean, now there's a bunch of Puerto Ricans here, you know, when, when even before Hurricane Maria, when it was getting the economic situation in, in Puerto Rico was getting really bad, there was a big uh, diaspora to here, to LA. So there's a lot of Puerto Ricans here now in the arts that are from the island. Very different from my experience, probably your experience, Gina, because you were born. Are you Puerto Rican? Yeah, I'm uh, Ecuadorian. In New York. I'm Ecuadorian? Okay, so, so it's, uh, you know, different. But I'm from New York City, so I 
grew up with nothing but Puerto Rican. Oh, she's like, she's Puerto Rican. Low key, she's Puerto Rican. She's Ecuadorian, but low key, she's Puerto Rican. The way that she says certain words. You if know. you hear me speak Spanish, I swear, people would not think I'm Ecuadorian. They'd be like, oh, you Puerto Rican. I'd be like, nah, nah, I'm just from Williamsburg. No. No, I'm just, I'm just from New York and I speak Spanish and they're like, are you Mexican? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I know, me too, all the time. All I, the time. I sound so Mexican when I speak. My accent is, this is who I speak most of my Spanish to. So. Right, right, exactly. I took a friend to Puerto Rico with me. He's Mexican, a dear friend of mine. And when we got there, he was the, the driver was talking to us and, the, and he goes, are they speaking Spanish? I was like, yeah, brother, they are speaking Spanish. And then he goes, and then he heard me talking to them. And then he goes, damn, girl, you really do uh, slow down the Spanish for us, us in LA because I don't know what the hell you're saying in Puerto Rico. <laughs> Yo, it's so true. When I talk with like, if I talk with other Puerto Ricans, I feel like I'm like, can you can you just slow it down just a bit? Can you please just a little bit so I can keep up with you, please? Exactly. Spanish very very fast. My mom is like that. My mom is my mom's Spanish. Like she can flip like this. It always amazed me. My mom can flip yeah. so quickly. I feel like there's a lag in my. In my system. <laughs> You know, that's really interesting because we were in our stocking of you. You had, yes. we came across a quote where you said, you don't eat Puerto Rican food in LA because it's just too much. It's like zigzag. So like, you know how to make it. There's like no everything. Puerto Rican food in LA. There's only that truck. There's that truck that does really good. The triple, uh, triple threat truck. But yeah. you know, they're, they're a little heavier. I mean, I don't want to eat mofongo every day. You know what I'm saying? No, it's like, it's like a big in my stomach. Every day. <laughs> You could, I can't. It's I like, can't. it's like too much mofongo, you know? Um, but Puerto Rican food is, uh, I mean, I love Puerto Rican food. I, I don't understand. I, my mother is an, an incredible cook. I can really throw down with some Puerto Rican food too. I don't understand going to restaurants for it though, because I don't know. I always feel like my mother does it better. That <laughs> is how I felt my whole life. And I remember dating my ex-boyfriend. He loved this one Puerto Rican restaurant that was on 116th Street in New York and he would take me there all the time and I'd be like, my mom does it better. Like, I know. Them, I'm like, I you're making me eat this and I'm telling you, we could just call my mom. <laughs> See, that's, but that's the thing, like that's so real. Like that's so, such a real thing. I've noticed that with everybody, not just Puerto Ricans, right? Like if you, ha if you grew up with an abuela or a mom who just knows how to throw it down, going to a yeah. restaurant almost an insult. You know what I mean? Because you're like, I'm going to sit here and judge everything. Every, every little thing. It, and I see it even when I've gone to LA. Like my one of my friends is from um, San Francisco and she's Mexican, right? So when she comes to New York, I'm like, I don't get mad if you judge Mexican food in New York because you know what Mexican food should be like. You know what I mean? So I, I don't dare tell somebody what their food should be like because when we go to anywhere, I'm like, nah, you know, you got you you grew up with this. But if they say, I feel like food critics should have like a Puerto Rican should go to the Puerto Rican restaurant and if, she, if they go, yo, this is good. That's it. Yeah. That's the best Puerto that's Rican the, restaurant. That's five stars. That's five stars right there. Yo, this is good. I know I'm from, I'm from the island. I know, I know these <laughs> recipes. This is the best mayo ketchup I've ever had when they're from the island. The mayo ketchup, man. This is the oh, best. That is the best. <laughs> I, will, I will be honest. I cannot throw down uh, Puerto Rican food. I cannot. I'm still getting recipes from my mama. I'm, I've, fail, I've failed 
in the kitchen before my rice, instant rice, uh, I'm ashamed to admit. Uh, <laughs> but I love you know, going home and having my mom. I'm not a good rice maker either. So don't, it's the other things I know how to make. I know how to make the, 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 the protein, but tambien I suck at rice. And forget about my arroz con gandules. It's like a sopao. That's what oh. it's It's like, uh, <laughs> you don't want my arroz con gandules. So I'm with you. <laughs> but here's the good thing. You're, you're in LA with people who don't know. So, yeah, I like, I know. <laughs> so it's she, she's like, mm. <laughs> if you made it for them, you could just be like, that's how it's supposed to taste. <laughs> exactly. If it ever it's doesn't funny. taste like that, somebody messed up. Oh. Exactly. That's how you get them on your side. It's super easy. Okay. <laughs> so easy, you guys. Um, you since we were talking about your career and starting um, in Chicago and having such, you have so much work under your belt and such a diverse amount of work under your belt. When you look at the industry when you started versus now, what kind of things have changed in the industry for the better or for the worse uh, that you've seen? Um, I think for the better is that uh, you know. A lot, of, a lot more people are producing their own things. A lot more people are creating their own content. A lot more people are getting that done. Uh, nothing for the worse, but a lot the same. You know, a lot the same. The only thing is maybe they don't use certain language that they can't use anymore. Like before on a breakdown, I remember in the 90s, they'd be like, this girl is a hot tamale. That was a big one. Hot tamale was big for uh, Latin spitfire and all of these things that were always hilarious when you read them and you didn't even understand how how fucked up it was. <laughs> you really? just thought it was like hilarious, you know? Um, and so I think that it's, I don't think much has changed. And I, and I think that we see that. I mean, I think that people are getting bolder and louder, uh, but, and, but when you look at the statistics, or you look at how many shows we have on the air, or you look at how many, uh, it, it, there's not much of a difference. Really, there isn't. Yeah. And I hope that that, I mean, I, I will say there's more, okay, like the female showrunners, you know, like Gloria Calderon Kelly, Dylan Rodriguez, Tanya Saracho, um, you know, that's incredible. Um, there's a lot more women behind the camera, a lot more Latina women, but I think I can only think of maybe a handful, you yeah. know what I'm saying, if we really think about it. So it's a tricky question because yes, there is, things have changed, but uh, we're talking, I've been here since 1995. So that's not a lot of change. Yeah. It's okay. just some change. Right. Uh, that's what I see. No. That's yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's very interesting because you say that, like, I think a lot of the conversation has become um, when people talk about uh, representation and how much, you know, Latino, sorry for the helicopter, I live in New York City, um, <laughs> how many, how much uh, representation there is, a big conversation now is also the proper version of representation. So it's also like, uh, it might be a Latino focused show, let's say, right? The family is Latino, the main cast. But that. Even, the, even the writers or the creators aren't necessarily Latino so then there's that like your show is one of the only ones that like has a showrunner who is of the culture she's representing you and know what I mean because of Norman Lear see that's the thing right. everybody 
everybody, because this is the thing, these conversations and, and a, a lot of the times, and, and not this one, this is fine, but I won't do panels anymore. I'm done with it. Yeah. Because if we're not talking about moving the needle forward, I, I, I don't have time for this shit. I got things to do. No, yeah. I mean, people don't recognize that even when you're in the room, let's say, right? Where can you actually speak? And when can you actually speak? And even when you get a position of power, like to show run a show, there's many people above you yeah. who then want to dictate, want to oh, go, no oh, but you could be ready. Let's just say you're ready to be the head of your show, the EP, the show, all of that. But if the network does not feel that way, the production company, whoever's above you, they will literally put you with someone and go, you need to shadow. And that's a reality that people don't necessarily yeah. recognize. But, and no. a lot of that then creates, it's like, do you, disagree do you argue this or do you keep moving forward and go i'm gonna do this at the best that i can because i'm opening a door for the next generation that won't have this hurdle i i think you that a lot of argue people it if you can if you can you argue it like if i was a producer on something of course i under, i would totally be like no 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 but sometimes when there's only so much you can do when you're in the show or even when you're the star of the show, there's only so much you can do because like you said, there's always somebody above and above and above who's making, I, I mean, you know how many people that you get a job, you do a, re, uh, a table read and, uh, and let's say you've gone in like 10 times for this fucking job. You got in 10 times and then all of a sudden you do the table read and there's one person in the room that doesn't like you and you're fired. You know how many times that's happened to people that I've been with that there was one woman who thought he wasn't good looking enough, or there was one person up there who thought, you know, after all of this, it, it, so you just never know where it's coming from, but yeah. it certainly isn't coming from <laughs> the talent, you know? Right. Um, so it's, it's a very complicated, complex situation that I don't think, you know, it, it goes to what, how we started this conversation. Uh, people thinking that if you just get that job, that one job, everything is going to change. No. Yeah. Well, no, people yeah. are ignorant about how the industry works. I remember Mike's boyfriend, when I wanted to do a late night TV set for comedy, he said, well, why don't you just call up David Letterman? And I was like, yeah, oh, right. okay. I'm sorry, what? Why don't I just, what now? But this is the level of ignorance of people that think, oh, you could just, yeah, just call up and tell him I should be on your show. And then like that, it happens. It's like, yes. no, not at all. Yeah. It's just people forget that Hollywood is a business. So for instance, I go, no matter what you work in, let's just say in New York City, we have Con Edison, that's our electricity, right? If you worked at, as an entry-level job or a mid-level job at Con Edison, can you call up the head of Con Edison and just be like, yo, I need you to fix all of this stuff? No, right? Because you don't have that power. You're just in the company, but you're not at the top of the company. What makes you think Hollywood doesn't work the exact same way? It's, a, yeah. it's an industry. People yeah. forget to equate industries in similar power structures. Yes. I, I think that's also because a lot of Hollywood is just glamorized. So people think, oh, if you can have that, I don't know, Emmy, uh, uh, like, like the ability to go to the Emmys, then you should have that access to everything. Nah, not necessarily. People forget that. Or they want you to be a vigilante. They're like, you know what? You should take care of it as some sort of, Hollywood vigilante and then yeah, I really want to. I want to. I want. I mean, I think it's so important that you know that we're not just because I can't even imagine what it feels like 
to not be represented. You know, like I already feel not represented. Imagine what it feels like to even less represent it. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're Afro-Latino or indigenous Latino or transgender or, you know, non-binary or disability, and you're like, where's, where's my representation? I so understand that. I just want us all to come together to try to, to try to uh, come up with a, a, a solution and help each other and have each other's backs instead of attacking each other. Do you yeah. know, that's what I really want because I want us all, we're all, I really, really do. And I understand, and, and I'll never understand that plight. I won't, uh, but I'm, I'm willing to, I wanna, I just want us all to come together, work together and try to figure something out. I think it also yeah. comes down to supporting projects that are done by not only people of color, but other un underrepresented groups and supporting right. them and pushing people to become network heads that are people of color or that are underrepresented so that they have that power. Pushing for those people to be successful, supporting those projects as a people, supporting those people. I think that's yes. important too, because we'll support, you know, uh, we'll support a, a movie or this, but we will forget that there's other projects that this person may be doing and we don't even bother to do the research to find out what that person, oh, this person, this was done by a person of color. I should look into whatever else they've done. That's true. You know, That's, so yeah. support goes right a long way like that. You know, and I think that's a project, but actually finding out about that person, finding out what else they're doing, supporting, absolutely. That is something I, that we should do. I think the next, like a lot of people overlook how much there isn't enough talk about um, getting like people who don't necessarily want to be on camera, the ones who want to be studio heads, the ones who, you know what I mean? Like supporting within and literally creating that as a conversation. Because at the end of the day, it's not going to change unless it's coming from top, bottom, top up. I mean, sorry, yeah, top down. No. Sorry. I feel <laughs> like a lot of people don't aspire to be the head of a network, any network that that is because they don't necessarily see that as an opportunity. They, everybody sees it as like, I should be just an actor and producer. And those are great professions. But when you meet somebody who goes, nah, I'm only in this because I wanna be that, that's yeah. also a person, like that's a track that I feel like a, a lot of, and I'm saying this, a lot of non-people of color, they know that, they go for that. But when we get that first person, um, I think I was watching an interview between Oprah and um, Ava. Right. And they talked about the uh, a project that they were doing together. And Ava said, um, yeah, you know, there were no studio heads to go to because she's the head of the network to Oprah. And that's as simple as what we should be talking about, which is when yeah. somebody owns, when somebody is the yes, it becomes less about just representation and more about they gave you a yes because that's a good version of like making sure that it's properly represented, right? Like they stop looking at it as, no, we just need another Latino show or another. They go, nah, we don't have this story about that Puerto Rican family from Chicago. We don't have that story from this. I think that's, if we start nurturing kids to want to be studio heads, watch yeah. 30 years, totally yeah. different landscape. Yeah. Encourage your kids to be studio heads. That I'm sorry, but. So we're saying. To be in charge, to be the head honcho. Yes. Tell your children that they can be in charge. I intend on telling my son that every day. Like, look, my man, you can do whatever you want with your life. I think that's an important conversation to have with young people. With young yes. people in the industry, with young people that want to be showrunners, with young people that want to, you know, be studio heads, that want to work in that world. It is important that we start those conversations. Because you're right, Kat, nobody tells us that. Nobody tells us. And if you're like a little kid, like coming from the hood, 
All you see in success is fame. That's it. You equate success with fame. And that's what you think success is. So until you can learn that success without the fame, with the success of being the person that creates the fame for other people. Imagine being that powerful that you create the fame for other people. Yeah. That's an incredible Uh, thing. And I see people doing that. I see like, you know, the Gloria's doing that and the Tanya's doing that, you know? And I think that's that is really you I think this is the first time that I've seen, you know, two women like this just yeah, just doing exactly what you just said, Gina, just doing a, uh, starting a network of all these wonderful uh, showrunners that they have and all these Latinx uh, writers. And, and so I do see that. And, and that's exciting to see uh, that being let, letting people know this is also a, super, a very important job and actually the best job, to be honest, your yeah. job the best jobs you don't want to just be an actress believe me (laughs) you don't want that you don't want it you want to be in charge of your own stuff and a lot of times as an actress you're not in charge so you know you're in charge up to a certain extent so it's you want to aspire to be those showrunners the head of networks the head of uh, studios so that you make those big decisions yeah no totally was there ever a time in your career where you felt like I just want to walk away. Like, was there ever a frustrating time in your career where you're like, I just don't want to do this? Because I know for a lot of entertainers, they'll have that moment. Uh, If you did have that moment, like, what was it that pulled you out of it? I mean, I think everybody, it would be not, I I would probably, you know, I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure I've had that moment a, a lot of times, you know? But I think what always pulled me out of it was, uh, a few things. I don't know how to do anything else. And that's the truth. I really don't. I'm very good at what I do. And I know that. And, and I really don't know how to do anything else. I mean, I'm sure that I could find something to do. And I'm sure that I would be, you know, I'm a survivor. I could, I'm good. I'm a survivor. But also, I love it so much. So even when I hate it, I love it so much. And I just can't see myself doing anything else. So I can't see myself doing anything else. I love it so much and I don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> and that's what made me say, uh, and I mean, I don't know how to do anything else outside of this business, you know, yeah. like producing, directing, I could be a head of a studio. I could be the head of a network. I have no, uh, that I'm not worried about. I'm saying outside of this business, I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't want to do anything else outside of this business. I just yeah. really, really wouldn't. So that's what always would pull me back on the times that you're, when you're broke, when you have uh, gotten so many heartbreaks and sometimes they all come at once and, uh, and you feel helpless, hopeless. Yeah, yeah, of course. I think it happens to every single one of us. Yeah. So uh, and the ones that stay are the ones that, you know, that know that this is what they want to do. Yeah. yeah, no. I mean, I think that that's, um, and especially because you talked about the longevity of your career. Um, uh, the other day, what was it? we were watching, I was watching the Ha Festival that Gina's a part of um, on HBO, and they talked about um, Lupe Ontiveros and how she yeah. paid over 200 maids, right? And how people, I think a lot of people now hear that and they go, oh, why would you do that? Because they forget the people who open doors. They forget that the hardship was a very different hardship. Starting now and starting when she started, when you start, very different hardships, right? A yes. lot of people 
I think now because of um, the internet and because of notoriety through the internet, um, those downs for some reason aren't taken in stride as much as maybe before because now it's like instant gratification where you're talking about knowing in yourself that it's like, this is my passion. This is what I want. It's going to come with lows. And so I feel like there's some, there's something to be said about remembering that that's kind of what an artist is, right? Like you're, you're talking about it as an artist, not as somebody chasing the fame, chasing the money and all of that. Yeah, Yeah. you know, and you go back and forth, right? Because sometimes you feel like an artist. Sometimes you feel like you're just chasing the fame and chasing the money. Sometimes you feel like it really is a back and forth thing. You know, there there is no noble way to be an actor or noble way to do. But definitely, if you get involved with this just for those things, then I don't, I mean, I don't know what could happen for you, you know, because this is a tough business. So you got to really love, love, love it and be involved in it because it's what you want to do. It's the only thing you want to do because otherwise, why would you put yourself through all this stuff? Through people telling you, most of the time, it's negative, <laughs> you know, the feedback you get. But but, but I don't want to scare people either. I, 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 so scratch that. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I'm saying that most of the time, you don't get the job is what I'm saying. Most of the time, you don't get the job. But when you do get the job, it's, incredible and it's like you know and of course other jobs come but let's say you know you go on let's say pilot season for actors that they can go on maybe i don't know because i'm latina i'm not a a caucasian person i'm maybe they they have a lot more auditions probably but you know you can go on maybe 10 or 15 and let's say you tested for seven of them and and get none of them you know like that happens so much it happens like, and so those kind of things happen and that's heartbreaking. And it's emotionally, uh, God, it's, it's just, it, it's draining and it's heartbreaking because every time an actor, I love actors, I love actors. I don't care if you're a bad actor or a good actor, the greatest actor, I love actors because to go walk into a room and to bear your soul and to just know when you leave that room, either they're gonna love you or they might ridicule you because I've been in there back in the day when they did crazy shit like that, or they, you know, or who knows? And you're putting all of this out there uh, and, and you're brave. Actors are so, so brave. I've always felt that way about actors. Like they always talk about comics and they're like, Oh my God, you're so brave. I'm like me. No, I'm a control freak. That's why I'm a comedian. I'm a control. (laughs) I need to be in the driver's seat. You walk into a room and scope someone you just sculpt someone else's words into an entire world into a personality and you do it all the time and you get more no's and you get yeses and you guys still get up and you still go in there i'm like i know i'm not made with that kind of like fight in me i know that because i would if if it was all dependent on that if i didn't have comedy and i was just doing auditions i think i would just be broken and so when i see actors that just stay on the grind and do their thing i'm like man it is envious the strength that you guys have to be be treated the way you are like it's so honest the way that actors i have seen them treated in auditions and seeing how people react to to them and seeing people get yelled at like it's just like heartbreaking you're just like oh my god Like me, me, I remember I walked into a room one time, um, walked into an audition and somebody else was auditioning real quick. And 
the guy was like, he yelled at me, like the casting director yelled at me. And I literally I closed the door and I went, fuck this guy, huh? And I like just left <laughs> where I was like, well, fuck this guy. I don't get to, he didn't talk to me like that. I'm out of here. But I mean, like with, with actors, it's like, no, you would march back in that room and give 100% of your best. And yeah. I, I'm like, man, it is incredible to watch. But, oh, yeah. but you know what, though, that's brave too, to be able to say, forget this guy. That's also yeah. brave. But sometimes you like that, you're, then no. You know, like, don't get treated so badly. But you're right, we have been. And I don't think I've ever walked out of an audition, even, or a meeting, even when somebody, my God, I remember a long time ago, I was uh, in an audition. I was like, I don't even know, 26 or something like that, or 27. And I walked in and the woman had said, after I did the audition, everything was great. She's like, you're great, this is great. Um, but um, we might start this in January and, uh, and you've gained a lot of weight. Uh, so in front of this guy that was playing the piano and everything. And let me tell you, I was so little, I was so tiny. She could tell me that maybe now, <laughs> but not back then, not even now. But back then I was so tiny and I remember that she was like, you, I never forget that, you know, things like that and other things. And then you don't know what to say. And then you're kind of making excuses and, and you, you can't believe the way, what they've just said to you. That happened to me, not the, you gain a lot of weight part, but those in my early career, not so much now, nobody really does that to me now, but in my early career, a lot of crazy things were said to me. Do you think, and this is just something I, I, I think about the possibility of this industry, the audacity is always on the table, right? Audacity is part of a lot of this industry. People don't necessarily understand. There is no HR when you're in a casting room. Like, no, they- Not a casting room, but there's some HR on a set, I'll tell you that. Right, <laughs> but you had to go through the casting room, which is why, yeah. they, um, which is why casting can kind of get away with like audaciousness. But do you think that in a, in a way, because of your longevity, because of your connections, because of all of that, the trajectory of how people treat people in Hollywood changes? Because it's less about whether they like you or not in that casting room. It's also about, and I think Hollywood is so nepotistic that it also, I, I have been in casting rooms, casting, where it becomes, oh, but you know they know so-and-so. Oh, but you know like that. And it's, it's literally not that they don't want to critique you. It's just, critiquing you could become a problem for them. And I think- well, I, don't, I don't really go to casting directors anymore. Uh, that part of my career is over. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I have some wonderful casting directors that I worked with uh, that would always call me in back in the day, but that, that part of my career of going in and just meeting them is over. You know, at that point, I still read once in a while. I, no, no, I really read more than I get offered actually. But, um, and, then, and I don't have a problem with reading. Uh, when I go in, it's always, it's, I never have to go through them anymore. Nice. So, um, so I don't know what happens in those rooms anymore, but I will say that I think that happens with any profession. Don't yeah. you think that once you get to a certain, a certain thing in your profession that everyone's going to be kind of careful just in case you know somebody who knows somebody who, so I think that happens everywhere. Now, yeah. the thing with Hollywood is that it's kind of like high school. <laughs> Hollywood is high school sometimes, you know what I mean? It's like, who's popular this year? Who's popular last year? Like those kind of things. But definitely there's a, a, a little more, um, 
And I don't know so much if it's they're scared of who you know. It's more because I think a lot of it is because they respect what you've done. Yes. And, yeah. and, and that's what I've experienced more. If I walked into that room and let's say I did, had a horrible audition, which has happened after I've already become known, they're, they're going to be nice to me. And usually they have been nice to me. Even when I was like, well, oh. I remember once I bombed so bad in front of uh, Anne Heche and uh, Kate Walsh. And I had just finished the last year of private practice with Kate Walsh. So I love Kate Walsh, so sweet. I walked into their pilot. I sucked so bad. They, were, they didn't even know how, what to do. Their faces were like this. <laughs> <laughs> and she already knows your work too. So yeah. that's how embarrassing that was. But the beautiful thing is they were still so sweet to me. But girl, I was terrible. I think about that audition to this day. And that was like a long time ago. Oh my goodness. Well, that's because you're such a professional and you take your project. I feel like you're the type of person that goes in and does do their best to give 100%. And even when it doesn't work out, it's still like, damn, I gave 100% in there. So it's always going to be like a letdown. Speaking of your project, though, I do want to get into all together now. I want to talk a little yeah. bit about this project. So uh, can you give us the 411? Obviously, I've watched the trailer, but for the people who have not seen it, can you tell people a little bit about uh, all together now? Yeah. All together now is a story, especially based on a book called Sort of Like a Rockstar. And um, mm -hmm. it's about this young woman who is... Uh, dealing with a lot of stuff in her life. She's, she's dealing with her mother. Uh, they're homeless. Her mother has a, an alcohol problem. She's a young widow. There's deep, deep love between those two, but there's a lot of secrets. And the secrets is that she's, they're living on a bus. And she's this young woman who's just knows how to give love, give love, give love. She's, but, but it's difficult for her to ask for help and receive the love. And in this movie, you see the power of community and you see the power of people having each other's back and the beauty that comes out of when you need help, you ask for help, you receive the help, you take the help, not just give it. And, and it's a, a beautiful story about community and love and dreams. And, you know, it's also very heartwarming. It's got, it, it's, it's got some moments, you know, some moments that are, uh, yeah. 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 I think, you know, it's funny because I did press for the movie the other day. And one of the things that everybody kept saying was, wow, this movie, like we could really use this movie now that the message of this movie and I was like, you, you're right, because even the name was changed. It was sort of like a rock star. And then they changed the name to All Together Now. And that is exactly what we, uh, I hope we could do All Together Now. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I love that. How many days November? Oh, Jesus Christ. How many days? Uh, oh, my God. I told it all. That sigh and that I hope, yeah. You know, that's, that's everything right there. It's like, oh, God, you know, this is an exhausting time, man. Emotionally yeah, yeah. exhausting, uh, physically exhausting, mentally exhausting. And, uh, and it's all, it's all, it all needs to happen, believe me. Not, not, the, not the crazy, unfortunately, not that horrible stuff coming from the administration. But, you know, what's happening in the world with systemic racism, fighting that and, and you know, more representation and, and, you know, sexism and all this. And it's like a perfect storm. And then the pandemic, it's like, whoa. It's a lot. Yeah, it's really a lot. We need to all be together now. Like, yeah. it is a very fitting title 
for the times yeah. and the subject matter is very fitting. Like you're absolutely mm -hmm. right. Like the, the strength of community. And that was one of the things that I think made me tear up a little bit watching the trailer was, you know, how many of us are guilty of the same thing of not being able to ask for help? How many of us overextend ourselves because we cannot ask for help? And so oh, yeah. I connected with that immediately. I was like, oh, they made a movie about my life? That's crazy. <laughs> I wish they would have told me they were making a movie about my life. Well, I, I found it because you're playing the actual mother, the one who yeah. um, suffers from alcoholism. Mm. And I, <laughs> she's like, what? And she takes a sip of the drink. I, I, I think that like a lot of like what you were, when you talk about um, her not, I mean, not being able to ask for help, the main characters, what I got from the trailer was also that loyalty you have right to your parents and their own issues and even feeling responsible like a lot of the conversation of like younger people feeling responsible for their parents and having to take that on for you playing the role of that parent what was that like for you getting into that head like being that parent well first of all i want to address what both of you said which i think is really interesting because i did the press with judy reyes and, you know, Judy Ray is a dear friend of mine. We've worked together many times. And one of the things that uh, uh, Judy and I kept saying was, you know, growing up Latina, like, they teach you not to tell anybody anything. Like, yeah. everything you keep inside. You, 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 if you tell somebody that's embarrassing, they get upset, you know. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to let anybody know what's going on. No, so, lo yes. que pasa en la casa, se yeah. queda en la casa. Exactly. So that is... De definitely one thing that when you guys said that, I was like, yeah, you see, it doesn't matter what generation you're from. It's like we are like, that's what was told to us. Um, and as far as like the mom, like getting in the head, I didn't really, you know, I, I just understood her. I just really did. And I, I can't really explain, explain it. I was just really excited to, to uh, go back to some dramatic roots after doing, uh, I was going to say six feet under, <laughs> one day at a time. Um, for four seasons and even though we have really incredible moments on that show you know we have 22 minutes like to kind of like put it all together so I was excited to go back to that part of 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 what I do but I just life I just know I just I've had enough life and I've been around enough people I'm from the inner city of Chicago you know I am from the hood of Chicago so it's like uh I just have had a lot of life. So I don't think it was that difficult for me to figure it out. You know, I didn't want to make her a villain. That was important to me, not to be the bad mother that's the drunk, that has her kid, that doesn't care. It was just like, obviously, this woman is hurting. You know, this woman has all of these layers. And it's the little nuances, I think, that, um, that I was most excited about to play this character. Uh, it's all the shit that happens in between the lines, you know? So yeah. I, I didn't find it challenging. I found it very exciting. And that young woman is so incredible. Ali'i is such an incredible young actress, young singer, young person. She's just like, uh, so just uh, being able to work with someone like that who is playing with you and is present with you uh, is, is fantastic. It was well, the cast is a pretty amazing, I mean, between yourself, you also have Carol Burnett on the cast who like, I mean, you've worked with icons before you've worked with Rita Moreno and you now were working with Carol Burnett. What is it like, like working with, some, I, I can't even imagine walking in the room with Carol Burnett. I would have a nerd attack, but uh, <laughs> I would so yeah. out. I mean, what is it like working with these legendary people? 
Well, we didn't get to meet Carol Bonita because we weren't in any scenes with her. So oh. she's Carol Bonita. They're only going to bring her in when they need her, you know? Right, yeah. So she was, I didn't get to meet her, neither did Judy. Judy was so upset about that. I didn't uh, get to meet, I, you know, I was like, oh, we're so sad. Uh, so I don't know what, what it's like to meet her, but I'm sure I would have been, you know, fawning all over her. And, and I've met so many legends because of Rita and Norman that have come to visit the set. It's always like, oh my God, you know, like, uh, so um, it's, um, it's unfortunate that I didn't get to meet her, but it's incredibly, it's incredibly amazing to me that I'm in the same movie with you. With with her, <laughs> that we're gonna have a movie. You know what I mean? So to yeah. me, that's that's what I gotta take for now. <laughs> right, and I th I think there's also something to be said about like her legend status in general. She doesn't need to pick certain roles at this point, right? Like she doesn't have that need. So the fact that she attached herself to this film says something about the film. It will say something yeah. about the writing and the message in general. And what about the casting? Yeah. I mean, this is what you have two Afro Latinos, you have uh, I, I, two other Latinas, you have uh, the, the, the young man that was autistic was really autistic. Uh, right. The person, our uh, disability actor, uh, he was really in a wheelchair. So all of these things, I just thought Brett Haley just really cast this movie so beautifully where nothing is about our ethnicity, not one yeah. thing. Everything is just us being people, loving each other, being a part of a community. You don't even think about it for two seconds. So uh, I, I look at that and I go, wow. And I have to give him so much credit, Brett and Lee and all of them for casting a, mo a movie like what the world looks like, like what, yeah. what America looks like, especially when they could have done the easy thing and just made everybody white, yeah. you know, and right. put a a token Latino, you know, or a token black person in there, you know, like right. a high, you know, and made the whole thing. So it makes the movie even more beautiful and more special to me to see all of these uh, faces there. Right, because I, 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 it sounds like what you're saying is that it was about humanity. It was about the actual experiences of human beings and the people. Now these people happen to be, whether disabled or whether, you know, um, Afro-Latino, they happen to be that. And that that's important in itself, but the story, cast wasn't supposed to be the cast was probably all white if you read the book i'm sure it was all you know i'm sure that's just what it was the fact that he did not care it was right. who was the person yeah. that to me is what every film should be like right, right. that's yeah. what we're talking about and that is the first time that i've ever worked on anything that it was like that and so that was really special for me yeah, I feel that, like no, that's diversity amazing. and representation done very well, where it's not yes. forced, it's not being forced upon you in a way that's almost campy or cheesy. It's and it's not so subtle you don't even notice it. It's done very well. It's very well balanced. What he picked was talented people, and it wasn't yes. about forcing the uh, diversity on us. It was about these people happen to be incredibly talented at what they do. And so they were all cast. And well, that's what it felt like just watching the trailer. It was like, oh, these people yes. match well. Yeah, who's best for the role? Like yes. in general, who's best for this? I think a lot of people overlook that because of the call for diversity. And so th those are not mutually exclusive. Like in, in general, yes, a story that is written about a Cuban family makes sense to have Latinos in it, right? But when it's better, they better. 
Right. Because, because you know how many shit you see back in the 80s and 70s and it was like Rick Sanchez or even like- uh, The original the West Side Story. Look at the big Lebowski. That yeah. wasn't that long ago. And I'm, I love John Turturro, but really? Like yeah. that Jesus character? That, that poor, I was like, and also, I, what? that's not even that long ago and, yeah. and you know so at this point at least it better be a latino now the problem comes in when they start getting crazy about you have to be if it's a puerto rican story you gotta be puerto rican if it's a cuban story you gotta be cuban if it's a that, that's when everybody has to take a step back and go okay yeah as long as latinos are involved in this project yeah. that's what we should be uh, talking about, you know? And of course the person like our show, I'm not Cuban, you know, Rita's not Cuban, Marcel's not Cuban, Isabella's not Cuban, but our storyteller Gloria is Cuban, you know? Yeah. And the specificity of being Cuban comes from her life, yeah. her life. And, and, and that's why it's so authentic and it rings so true. So there should be somebody there who knows the specificity, you know, or somebody's. And I do understand that so many of us are so desperate for representation. And that's why we get, we get upset about those things. But really, that's another fight that we need to stop fighting. Yeah. Yeah. But because really it keeps so. us from supporting each other. It gives you another reason not to support a project that has people of color because you look at it and you go, oh, but they're not my people. So like, when yes. are my people going to be there? And it's like, no, but we're all in this fight together. So the more that you support these people of color, the more we can create that atmosphere of supporting projects in general. Right. I mean, it, it, again, who's best for the role? At the end of the day, if you are best for the role and you are Latina, right? You may not be Cuban, but you are Latina, then that's what matters like yeah when you can merge them like i know when um anna villa finance i can't i'm horrible with her last name thank you and when she played gloria estefan that okay she was perfect for the role and she happened to be cuban but that says that somebody would have been like but she's also half salvadorian like okay calmate like now you go you're doing the most you're doing the most you're doing the most sir you're doing the most because she here again she was best for the role I know she is. She's she's so. And by the way, she my God, I saw her. She's so brilliant in that part. Uh, did you guys see her uh, on yes. on your feet? Oh my God, she was so she was in so good, so good. It, so it happened to be that she was Cuban. Yes, great. And I'm sure like Gloria Stefan too, which is so yeah. right. Isn't that so weird. But yes, right. she. You're but listen, I know that Andrea Burns is Venezolana and she played the mother. I know que Eliseo Roman is Puerto Rican and he played the father. So there you go, you know. Right. Y también el tipo que hizo el pa the, the part of, um, of Emilio was Puerto Rican. They, right. You know, so yeah. exactly. They said who is the best person. And those are like the king and queen. I mean, I love me some Gloria Estefan yeah. and Emilio Estefan because not only are they incredible artists, but if you ever get the opportunity to meet these two they are two of the most humble most grounded most amazing people that you want to hang out with i promise wow. you promise that's you that's here i love hearing that about people because sometimes yeah. we hear the opposite about these people that are especially like gloria who she is like this iconic singer and and just she's just an amazing performer wow. and so you hear that to hear that she's also a wonderful human being you're just like oh thank god 
in the world yeah. of terrible people. <laughs> she's she's a wonderful person. I think people also think that like people who reach legendary status, because she's at legendary status, oh, right? Oh, yeah, that they're that they're not humble people. Let me tell you the most geeked out thing I did. I went to a taping of your show of One Day at a Time, season two. And uh -huh. the most geeked out thing I did, because I grew up watching Rita yeah. Moreno. Yeah. And when we were in between the takes, they, you know those like little audience things? When they yeah. do the like competitions? Yeah, one of those. I got, my friend was like, do it. I went up there. I did not want the script necessarily, but when it was my time to speak, I was like, I'm just here because I love Rita Moreno. Hold on. And then Rita is sitting on the couch, right? I feel, I'm sitting there. I feel a tap. I turn. She's standing right there. And this is a legend, right? In the industry, this is a legend. But they tell you so much about this woman that, yes, yeah, she heard me, but she could have, they were in between takes. She's in the moment. But she took the moment to just come and be like, oh, I mommy, and like, give me a little hug. And I'm sitting there like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> but that tells you everything about just because she's a legend does not mean she's not a human being and a good person and all yeah. this stuff. So when you even see that moment, for me, I'm more like, yo, she really tapped me like some, like a Puerto Rican tia on the block. And I was just like, my life is made. But people forget that about legends. That like, they, she's my tia now. <laughs> right, that's it. But I, I feel like when people hear like, oh, they're really good human being. Yes, it's true. Some people can be um, a little bit like, standoffish but yeah. others you would be surprised that you may have just caught them on a bad day yeah. but that doesn't mean they're not good people and I mean honestly standoffishness I can understand because I yeah. can't imagine I always look at things like like Justina you're a recognizable face like you are somebody that people would know you're walking down the street they know who you are that means your privacy at some point is almost non-existent because people will see you and walk up to you and talk to you. And it's always like, oh, what does this person want from me now? So I can understand the standoffishness of people. Yeah. When you yeah. get past that layer of that person, it's what's past that layer that counts to me. Because you can be standoffish yeah. with me at first and I'll be like, no, I get it. I'm not a face that you know. I, you don't know me. I don't think I know you. I'm coming up to you because I know you. And so it's a it's a weird situation. So even when I've met people that have been yeah, standoffish. You should just always be nice. You yeah. know what I mean? It is weird. Kind. Standoffish I get. But you know what I've learned? Sometimes I just cut it off. Like, you know, because sometimes I go on and on forever with somebody and I just like will cut it off at a certain point. But uh, it, it, the weird thing is they can't do it anymore is when everybody wants to hug you. <laughs> You're like, oh. I feel that. Oh, I well, now, like the pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. Mm, please don't touch me. Pandemic. It's not a personal I, thing. It's pandemic. I think. I also think that's a come correct situation. Like people sometimes don't come. They're still a human being. Like at the end of the day, they're still a regular person. I know that they're recognizable. They're a human being, though. Come correct. Like if you come correct and you say the and you just are kind, you receive kindness back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when you say. Kindness is not hard. Now, mind you, if a person's not in a good, having a good day, you can still be like, oh my God, no, thank you so much. And you keep it moving. I, know what, I would I, say from some people, like kindness is like from some people, because I've definitely met people where I'm like, oh, you're just a shit human being. Oh yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> but again, how, even if you're a kind person, but if another person is not coming at you and you're recognizable the right way, yeah. what you're just, because you're recognizable, you just kind of got to be like, I, I need to be like, the perfect person to everybody. Nah, I don't, I don't believe that. Like they're still human beings, like people who are recognizable are human beings. And yeah. I think that's forgotten. Yeah. Cause you can, 
you can meet somebody on the wrong day. Like if I run into somebody and they just happen to have the worst, most stressful yeah. day of their life, and now I'm in their face with my goofy deer in headlights, like, oh my God, it's you. <laughs> like I'm there with my <laughs> Disney big eyes and, and an excited face. And they're just like, oh, I just want to go home and scream into a pillow for a few hours. Like it's like, yeah. please get out of my face. It's like I totally. I you you can you have to remember you can meet people. It's only the people that I've met on multiple occasions that I've seen them be shitty multiple times that I've ever made that assessment. Yeah, that I've made that assessment of like, oh, you're not a good human being. Like you're yeah. just. It's not that I met you on the wrong day. You're just not a good person. You forgot mm -hmm. which happened. Like to be a, a good person which is insane to me but i think it happens once you reach i guess you have to be a certain type of person and reach a certain level of frustration in your own career where that starts to just come out of you mm. where your frustration okay. starts to surface i don't really know anybody like that and i'm so happy for that i'm so happy that i don't really okay. know anybody well, like that you know i got good people around me the people that i love the people that i admire you know, uh, they deserve all the admiration and all the love from, from all the people that they get it from. So, uh, you know, that kind of bad behavior and not just, you know, the, not like not wanting to be bothered. That, that makes sense. You know, I understand that. But like being shitty to people over and over again, I don't think you can get away with that so much anymore. Because really of this. Because, yep, exactly. I was going to say. That's true. I can film you. I just, yeah. What did you just say, Miss Angelina Jolie? What did you just say to me? Oh, what did you, say to me? you don't like me? <laughs> you don't like me? Oh, say it louder. Say it to the people on Snapchat. Exactly. I got you. I, you go, you're about to go viral now. Viral. <laughs> I'm going to end you. I'm going to become TMZ famous myself, lady. That's uh, right. So uh, people are like, think about it. They're like, oh, hey, yes, hi. They <laughs> turn like, it on. Oh, I bet you. Let me see that camera. Oh, let me put my fist <laughs> down real quick. I, I was going to punch you, but I, that was just a reflex. I just, I've been bothering. Uh, we have a segment of the show that we call Dear Gina. It's when people write in and okay. ask for advice on certain things. And so we give them advice. And I will read the question and then we'll all take a stab at it. Uh, here is this week's Dear Gina. Dear Gina, is it hard for you to choose between your desires and your logic? And does it differ in your personal and professional life? No, because I'm a droid. I, <laughs> uh, my desires and my logic, you know what? It's not hard for me. I understand it's hard for some people. I think mm -hmm. I always lean towards logic just because I think I grew up uh, with that mentality from my parents of desires are nice, but are they realistic? And so mm -hmm. I always had to lean towards the more logical side, even when it came to my dreams, it was like, I have a dream. I want to be a comedian. What's the logical way of going about this? Like I didn't have, I wasn't living in the clouds. Like, oh, this is magically going to happen for me. I knew I needed to put work in. So I always tend to lean towards the logic because if you look, if you have expendable income, if you have all the time in the world, then, Hey, go for your desires. You know what I mean? Like that's, in, that's when I'm in a position where all my bills are paid. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm out of debt. I got some extra cash. I can, I can go on a vacation. That's when I can do my desires. Cause I always look at desires. Like I look at dessert, like it's an extra thing. It's an extra thing. Cause there's a difference between desires and passion. Your passion can be akin to your logic too. You can use logic and passion together, but your mm -hmm. desires, that's extra stuff. So, uh, in, in terms of my personal and professional life, no, nah, it's pretty much the same. My personal life, I'm a terrible person to deal with personally. Like, I don't know how much. It's a lie. 
I don't know how my husband does it. I am a terrible person to deal with personally because I am painfully logic, like logical in a lot of situations. That might cause for a little bit uh, of a softer approach. I can be a little bit too logical where I'm like, oh, I get, your, I get that you're crying, but uh, let's move on from this teary situation <laughs> and go to a solution, please. So me personally, no, I do not differentiate in my personal and professional life. And I lean towards logic. I will throw it Justina's way. Justina, uh, any advice uh, on this subject? About, it, I, I'm sorry, could you repeat the question one more time? Because I talk a lot. No, you didn't. I just, I was into what you said. <laughs> oh, is, uh, is it hard for you to choose between your desires and your logic? And does it differ from your personal life and your professional life? Does it differ? Is it, is it difficult desire and my logic? No, it's not difficult for me. No, not anymore. It may have been difficult when I was younger, you know, uh, because everything was life or death back then. And, <laughs> and immediate gratification was all I ever wanted was immediate gratification. Uh, believe it or not, it was so, no, I don't, not anymore. And, and because of that, my life is so much better. And I'm not in a state of uh, trauma, being traumatized all the time, or in a state of like, oh, what do I do? Now I go like, uh, Gina, it's more logic. And there's really no difference between my personal and my professional life. I, I think I'm the same in both. And I'm grateful that I'm in a profession that I can be the same in both, you know, because somewhere else they might be like, that girl's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, any advice? Any uh, advice on? I mean, I agree with both of you. I, I completely agree with both of you. I think it comes down to um, like desires are not bad because I think they um, they talk about like what we would want to see happen. Now, if you're gonna put forth action to make that happen, that's where you're being logical, right? Like you can, if not, you're living in a in a delusion. You're living in a fantasy. So for me, it's when you're when you have desires, cool. But are you only living off of the expectations of those desires without actual work put in, without like place making a, a, a plan, let's call it. So I think that it's like they work hand in hand. Like just to go off what Gina said when she says she's difficult, that's a lie, first off. Um, when, it, when we really talk about who Gina is, she's a really good example of what desire and logic look like. I'm an emotional creature and Gina knows this about me. But whenever we talk about something that's happening in my life, I present the situation and she allows me to talk from emotion, right? Which is kind of going into the world of desire. And she lets me talk until she goes, okay, now that we've heard it out, what are you going to do about it? Now we're going into logic. So that's where I say, she said she's difficult. No, she's not difficult. She's just going to make you work, make, make you really think about cool, vent, put it out there, but do something about it. If not, you, it, the hard part is when you really just want to lean towards desire, when you just want to li live in a false reality. That's the hard part to answer the question. The hard part is picking one as if one doesn't affect the other, one doesn't inform the other. One mm -hmm. requires work, the other one requires, I don't know, imagination. But um, there's nothing that comes out of imagination without work. So, yeah, in both per professional and personal. Yes. Wow, we're all so brilliant, you guys. <laughs> I feel like we're, like, if we just ran the world for, like, a week, we would fix everything. I we think so. Everything. everything. <laughs> In a very wise, learned Latino way. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for it was such a pleasure to have you on. Oh my, I, we could talk to you for you're such a pleasant person. We could talk to you forever. Thank you for giving us this time. You're absolutely wonderful. Tell everybody where they can find you, where they can watch all together now. Uh, let people know so you know they can check it out. All right, All Together Now premieres August 28th on Netflix. And then it'll be there forever and ever and ever. You know Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and never worry about it. You'll always find it. August 28th. August 28th on Netflix. And uh, where uh, can people find you on social media? What's your favorite social media platform? Do you have a preferred one? Mine is Instagram, honestly. Mine is Instagram. I mean, Twitter, you know, I go on. Uh, but mine is Instagram. So it's my name, Justina Machado. Uh, that's my preferred thing, Instagram. Yeah, Twitter, I just go on to be like, what the hell is happening? Yeah, exactly. I scroll through Twitter like it's read. in the neighborhood Gaza. I'm like, ooh, girl. Ooh, exactly. What? What? Oh, damn. And then I'm like, let me go look at some pictures on Instagram. Yeah, this is exactly. too good. Let me close this and look at puppy pictures. I need to get happy again. <laughs> yep. Twitter. Uh, Catherine, tell <laughs> people where they can find you. On Instagram, it's at Catherine G. Mendoza. On Twitter, it's at Kathy G. What's Kathy Grace before? That's what it is. You because I because Dave, I just started actually writing on Twitter and like expressing opinions. But in reality, it's just the señoras, like the chisme chat is like the bonchinche when you just go and you know you're gonna find out everything, and then you go home to Instagram. Yeah. Yes. Then you go home exactly. To exactly. That's what it feels like. That is that is a very accurate description. You guys know you can find me on Instagram at gbrion. The website is ginabrion.com or .net because ballin'. Uh, you guys can check out the uh, Ha Festival now on HBO Max, which is the latest thing that dropped just a couple days ago. Check out uh, myself and several other comics on the lineup that are phenomenal comedians. So that's at HBO, that's uh, on HBO Max right now streaming. You can check out The Floor is Lava, which is my latest special on Amazon Prime or any of the other projects that I'm too lazy to name right now. Uh, just type my name into Google because even if you spell it wrong, something will pop up. So you're welcome <laughs> for that homework. Uh, you guys know I love to end the show with a piece of advice that my mom gives me to this day. Uh, when life throws a lot at you, handle it one catastrophe at a time, people. Everybody, one catastrophe at a time. Thank you so much, Justina, one more time. Thank you. And goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye. Hands on deck. I swim in it like David. Yeah, do it like that. You the kind of chick that's ready to fight back. Looks damn good, but really she type bad. Go to sleep, I call him my night cat. Born killer, you a born killer. Mm. Go on, get him. Go on, go on, get him. Mm.